Broadsheet Radio. everywhere you want to be oh it is for some reason the second you said that in my head i started going and you're everywhere to me just a little michelle branch to uh a little michelle michelle branch. Branch. i mean i love like a historical fiction i love a, a biopic and i'm like i could do that i could be in that time no right? i would not be able to do any back in time times i think that's outside of your wheelhouse I've always been like, oh, I love like the medieval or I would love to be like on the the frontier. And I'm like, no, I'm a woman. It would be horrible. Yeah. And I'm not as as tough and badass as I think I am. I crumble. (laughs) But boy, do you look (coughs) badass. Like people think, I think I write, I think I like survive a lot of my life based on the fact that just because I'm a big person, because I'm a tall human, people think that I'm like... Whenever somebody tells me that they're intimidated by me, I laugh loudly. I know I wouldn't survive a zombie apocalypse or like an Armageddon type movie situation. Because as soon as the meteors come towards me or the zombies, I have that like younger sibling uh, reaction where I just fall to the ground and say, mom, I can't breathe. I just give up and hope that everything turns out all right. I thought you were going to say like, you would just like shift to change directions and run the other way and you would blow your ACL. I thought of that too. I was watching something and people are running away. I'd be like, I would like cramp or tear something and be like, oh, oh, oh shit. And then just like, boom, get taken out. I'm filming uh I'm filming a horror film right now, like a comedy horror. I've seen horror. all the bloody pictures and I love it. I'm so shocked that I have not we've had we've had probably well, we've had a little bit of running on every single shoot date. And it's all just like we have to run into a room. So like we're we have to get we're building up enough speed in a short haul so that we mm-hmm. are entering the room with the right amount of gusto. Uh we've had like the, at the end of the scene we see something we take off running after it like we've had all of these like little things <laughs> my poor co-star Eliza has biffed it every day on set in some capacity and I in my I'm so clumsy that in my brain but I need to start vocalizing it for her sake because the first night we were filming I was like I think I even said I'm afraid I'm gonna fall because we're running into a house and I was like I'm afraid I'm gonna fall uh because there was a a doormat like a welcome mat outside and i'm mm. like oh that's a recipe for disaster and i didn't say that that was the problem and then she slid on it <laughs> and then the other night it had rained during the day and we were filming it had stopped raining we were filming at night and she had to like basically take off running from a from fully stopped she had to take off running down uh like towards the alley and in my head i was like Oh man, like it rained and there's a lot of leaves on the ground. It's pretty slick out here. Again, didn't say anything and she she went down hard. And I Natalie, and then, that gives off very hard vibes of like I'm the understudy and like, ooh. I know. <laughs> if you slipped on this and couldn't do the part, I guess I could step in. I know all your lines and choreography. 
I've literally had <laughs> thoughts about how they could write in one of us suddenly having a sling, even though even though the movie all <laughs> takes place in like 24 hours. I'm like, how would we do this if we suddenly, if one of us suddenly had a cast? There's a movie with James McAvoy where he, I think it's James McAvoy, where he like broke his wrist or like his thumb or something, like one of the first couple days on set. And so they just wrote it in. But they had to show, they had to do a stunt. Like that. Yeah, they just show like yeah. a stunt that they could kind of be like, that was that was it. That was when he did it. Um, or like uh, in Hangover when Ed Helms had a tooth removed. So they just had the or Hangover 2, whatever. Hangover? I don't fucking know. Anyway. Well, it's, I not about that that. Life. it's not, not about that. It's not about toothless people. Um, it's not about Ed Helms. It's about history. It's about us, Natalie. Yeah. And little peek, little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. We're recording this on Indigenous Peoples Day, which yes. makes this segue that I always do perfect. Because oh uh, no, oh no. Because hey, Columbus didn't discover shit, but uh, really, really likes to say that he did. Marconi didn't really actually invent the radio first. History's full of just claiming things as your own. Um, so Cassip, what have, what have you discovered recently? I actually have a big discovery, like <gasps> groundbreaking, literally and figuratively <clears throat> like this will, it is groundbreaking actually. And I, I will probably go down in some history books, um, <laughs> and some science books. Like Natalie, this one's huge. I discovered a continent. You discovered a continent? I discovered Zealandia. Which is a supercontinent under New Zealand that they think is a billion years old. And I discovered it. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, like that's huge. Is Literally. that okay? Is that supercontinent at all responsible for? I know you said New Zealand, I'm going to take us to Australia, the Melbourne earthquake that just happened. Or... I don't know. I wasn't part of that. You weren't part of that uh, discovery. Team. I wasn't okay. part of that team. Um, but I think that the discovery that I found uh, probably is going to contribute greatly to learning more about that. So you're welcome. I'm so happy that you discovered that. Actually, considering the fact that we were just talking about uh, period period pieces and historical fiction, um, that blends mm. into my discovery very well. My discovery is courtesy of a targeted Instagram ad, because <laughs> sometimes Instagram just knows you better than you knew yourself. And my discovery is a company called Linen Naive. Um, that's how it's spelled, so I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. And that it, sounds like a like Adam and Eve like yeah. adult toy website. It's a. It is very much not that. <laughs> it is a collection of like mostly linen and wool and natural based clothes and they're all very like period piece centric like they've got a lot of lacing lacing a lot of cloaks uh mm -hmm. i've not purchased anything from this site because it is uh more than i spend on clothes but oh mm -hmm. uh, do you think do we think i can pull off a cloak <laughs> is listeners please write in and tell me if i can pull up a cloak i think so i think it's like it's well what are we talking about? are we talking about like 
Victorian like they're all different shapes and sizes one of theirs they literally call it their outlander cloak because it is very it is wool and it buckles at like the neck only and it's open they have like shorter ones that are like I'm gonna go riding I think capes are in first of all they've come back and all iterations of capes cloaks I think are um they are now they're the moment they're you Natalie and you cloak on oh my god thank you you know what it is it's the skirts i really love uh the skirts and some of like the jumpers because the skirts are like high-waisted skirts and like the top of the waist Mm. is like lace laces up and it's just serving me rehearsal skirt vibes Mm -hmm. which anytime i got to wear a rehearsal skirt in for those not in the theater world uh you often rehearse in like if your character is wearing like big skirts you will rehearse in a skirt so you get used to moving through the blocking and stuff in the skirts and it's called a rehearsal skirt i feel like you guys could have put that together but i'm happy to have led you (laughs) straight there uh it's the same as you'll often rehearse in heels if you're going to be performing in heels and it's just giving me rehearsal skirt vibes and i that was one of always one of my favorite days on set would be when you would start rehearsing in it is it is dwarfed only completely normal clothes yeah you're just in like yoga pants underneath this like beautiful skirt so that's that's my discovery is just that Instagram knows me better than I know myself. I hate when Instagram gets me. I hate it. It's and terrifying. they always get me. They always get me. They always know. Speaking of discoveries, how is that grade A? That class act, Natalie, younger uh, segue. Speaking of discoveries, Cass chose a theme for today that I was not on board with. Uh, well, I support Cass and everything that she does, and she can pretty much right. talk me into anything. So I was on. I'm not going to pretend that I put up a fight. Uh, <laughs> you were just like, okay. <laughs> I was like, sure. And I think it's your turn to start, Cass. So why don't you bring us? Why don't you bring us in? So it's so interesting that I just discovered a continent because I'm about to tell you about the new continent that I discovered, Zealandia. <laughs> goodness i was so excited to learn more and i'm glad that i get to i i just saw this in the news recently and when uh when i threw out geography to natalie i was like there's a chance we might have the same one because it's 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 new it's in the news and i was certain i was like i'll know as soon as i say my discovery thing because she would do like you know what i should have done as my topic I should have done the parallel universe that I discovered. It would be so perfect. Geography. I know, Uh, but I didn't do it. It's a really, that's squandered, squandered opportunity right there. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to everyone. I forgive you. But I I have come with talking about Zealandia, but also talking about supercontinents. I mean, I remember like, middle school science learning about tectonic plates and all that stuff and Pangea Uh, but there's really so much more first of all for those who of you who don't know uh, a supercontinent is a it's a continent it's an assembly of most or all of earth's continental blocks or cratons to form a single large landmass if you don't remember what Pangea was It's basically all of the continents we have now, but they were smushed together in one big super continent. So super. Gold star. A gold star's continent. 
And then this crazy thing called continental drift took place. And Is it's that like again, Tokyo just drift? like it sounds. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because actually they like spun around and there were skid marks mm-hmm. where the continents used to be. Actually, kind of. Basically, just like it says, continents drifted apart because of science and tectonic platery, and they are now where we see them now. That's why when people say Florida is drowning and California is breaking off of the United States, it's because of continental drift. So little science lesson, in case y'all don't know, even though, I mean, we all know the earth is flat, but if it weren't, the earth's core is like big it's like this tiny little ball of liquid hot magma and then it's surrounded by mantle which is also more magma stuff basically there's just a bunch of big hat juices inside of the earth and then it's crusted over with the earth's crust oceanic crust which kind of blows my mind that like the earth is just like a like a, a pizza pocket you know, it's got the little crust and it's got fire on the inside that just burns your fucking mouth. And does it also have a cold spot? Because uh, there's always a spot that's still frozen. Um, No, but slowly our earth will just turn into an ice block. So, yes, there it's not always frozen uh, and it's not sometimes it's fucking haddish shit. And when you cook them like a little too long and some of them aren't sealed all the way some of that cheese like shoots out of the little corner seam and then it kind of like hardens if you don't eat it right away and crusts over and that is how continents and the earth's crust are formed oh my god the earth is a pizza pocket you heard it here hurt first folks the earth is a pizza pocket and so and so as as the crust breaks open mantle goes through and then it, it hardens and it turns into crust and there are hey Cass, two different hey what would it are we the cheese are we like the parmesan on top are we like in the, in the on top of the pizza pocket of the earth what are we i just want to know like where we fit into the picture of the pizza pocket you and me personally just human life 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 human as a life. whole yeah life as a whole um well, since there's so many, I would say like we're the mold that grows on top. <laughs> since there's so many preservatives that they will just yeah. never die. We're the um, uh, we're the Italian herbs and seasoning on the pizza pocket <laughs> of Earth. Yes, we are the ranch that we dip our pizza pockets in that ends up just enveloping the whole thing and fucking everything up and nothing oh, can no. live outside of the ranch. It just completely covers it and ruins yeah. everything. And and in the same way. We're not for everyone. Not everybody wants ranch on their pizza. That's it's- uh, wrong, but it's true. <laughs> so the reason I talk about the science behind Earth crust shit. Yeah, why are you telling us about science? This is a history. Why am I podcast. telling you about science? Because the discovery of Zealandia is mired in controversy. Can you spell this for me? Because I keep hearing Zoolandia and thinking of Zootopia. <laughs> it's z-e-a-l-a-n like new zealand and then i-a got it zealandia so think of new zealandia i'm also thinking of it as xenon girl of the 21st century's own personal supercontinent oh yeah well you know what 
since I discovered it, we can change the name and it's going to have an X, Zealandia. Actually, the, the term Zealandia, the name for New Zealand was not coined until like the 1990s. So there was the, there was the landmass there for a while, but they didn't really know it was a continent. And Zealandia is actually, in the Maori language, it's Te Riu Ao Maui, which means the hills, valleys, and plains of Maui, uh, which Maui is a, a, like a cultural hero and a demigod. I think it's, I think it's what Maui from Moana was based off of. So, so the landmass was always kind of there, but there are specific criterion for something to be determined a continent. So the requirements are, it must have clearly defined boundaries. It must occupy an area of 386,000 square miles minimum. And it must be elevated above the surrounding ocean crust and it must have a continental crust thicker than the oceanic crust. So, Cass, it's all crust. What's the difference? More science! This is probably just, I mean, this is literally just a reiteration of everything we learned in middle school. So it's very but simplified. But it's interesting because none of, none of us retained it. So please. None of us retained it. Also, this is still history, which is so weird. It's like in, my, in the episode where I talked about prehistory. Prehistory is technically everything before the written language, but it's still history. Yeah. So oceanic crust is like right above the mantle. It's higher in density, so it sits lower. It's thinner. It doesn't really float. It's kind of solid on, on top of the magma. Uh, it recycles itself. So magma comes up. It goes down convection, I think is what it's called. Um, so oceanic crust is constantly changing, evolving, just like we all should. And it's mostly made up of basalt rock, basalt. Continental crust is lower in density, which means it rises above the oceanic crust. It's thicker, uh, which is why we can hang out on it. It floats on magma freely so <clears throat> that's why it can move around so much uh it cannot recycle once continental crust is gone it gone and it's made up of granite rock so the way they kind of discovered these supercontinents and are able to age them and that we know about them because most of us remember learning about pangea which was I remember them always saying it's the first supercontinent. It's where everything, all the land masses were together before it broke off. There are actually 10 supercontinents throughout history. Like from the beginning of this old flat spinning plate on top of that turtle's back, there have been, wait, what did I say? Nine, 10? 10. 10 supercontinents. So I'm gonna name them all because they have super fun names. Um, the first one was Valbara, and that was 3.6 billion years ago. She has villain energy, and I'm here she for it. She has villain energy. Uh, Ur, you are, uh, 3.1 billion years ago. Kenorland, 2.7 billion years. Arctica, 2.5 billion years. Atlantica, 2 billion years. 
Columbia or Nuna or Hudson Land, which I'm going to call it Nuna because I feel like Columbia, anything named Columbia is like Columbus. I didn't realize there's like a Columbia and a Columbus everywhere in the United States because of him. Yeah, it's a big, it's a large yike. Yeah. So I'm going to call it Nuna, which is his other name. And also Um, kind of sounds like, uh, I think, like a puppy, like a cute dog. You might a cute dog named Nuna. Come here, Nuna. Um, That's two billion years old. Uh, Rodinia is one billion years old. Pinocchio or the Pan-African supercontinent, 650 million years old. Gondwana or Gondwana land, 550 million years old. And finally, Pangaea, which is only a young 335 million years old. So there were all of these different supercontinents. You can find like on YouTube or Bill Nye or whatever, um, they'll show kind of what Pangaea looked like or they think it kind of looked like and then it's an approximation of how the puzzle pieces could fit together yeah yeah and then they'll do kind of a a sped up version of how they drifted apart and how they moved and kind of became what they are now so we weren't around 3.6 billion years ago so we don't know what these like the shape of all of them were um I think one of them they said was like a hypothetical supercontinent. Uh, so the, these other, these, this Pangaea and the nine others, we don't even know for sure how many of those were above <clears throat> ocean level. Not talking ocean crust, talking like. Yeah. So I guess they don't all technically need to be above ocean level. They just need to be above the crust mm-hmm. and have clearly defined boundaries. I think some of it needs to be showing, but honestly, I don't fucking know. But yeah, I guess they technically don't need to be, which is why Zealandia is confusing because it's mostly submerged. But the the controversy is, are the boundaries clearly defined and like how much above the oceanic crust is it? So some people are like, it fits all the criteria, there's also no set defined body of continent deciders. So those are the general criteria. That doesn't mean that that's the be all end all. So mm-hmm. some scientists are like, it fits all of these things. And other scientists are like, well, is that all that we need to determine a continent? Or some of them might be a little iffy. So when they say i discovered this continent we've always known this like landmass has kind of been there but the specific definition of continent has not been thrown out until recently. this year recently yeah. which i think it had always kind of been in the works of like hey we think this but finally someone was like i think it's a continent and so there's still kind of some debate around it but these but these old supercontinents like 3.6 billion years ago, the reason we know about them and know that they exist, like I said, continental crust doesn't recycle. Once it's gone, it's gone. So we don't know like the shape of these. We don't know where exactly they were. But there's these, there are these things called cratons, which are large stable blocks of the Earth's crust forming the nucleus of a continent. Basically, it's 
the leftover continental crust that didn't that we still have today so all of this original continental landmass kind of crumbled away and we just have these we got some crumbs we got crumbs and they're all over the place and so you can kind of see like um some of the rock whatever in like say america is the same as stuff in like russia and stuff so we're like they were once connected and they're billions of years old and so they should not seemingly have survived but these little chunks did and that's how we know that there were supercontinents before pangea so we've got kind of how we have um like you know tectonic plate outlines and whatnot mm -hmm. and some of them are named after like whatever continent or ocean they're in those are kind of named after kind of where they were i don't know it's it's fucking they're wild. like named after it seems well some of them at least it seems like they're named after where they are in in context of like modern maps yes exactly craton also in greek means strength which is why and then the, they become literally the building blocks of these other continents this That's is fucking wild this is wild to me because like my brain is just like going in a thousand directions of how do they how do they know that it's there how do they find this if it's completely submerged in water how do they know where the boundaries are the ocean is yeah. a dark scary deep place <laughs> like oh, and then I'm like oh. science Natalie science we have tools <laughs> we have technology science scares me also the ocean I terrifies me <laughs> I've been jumping all around my notes because I got very excited that doesn't so, sound like yes. you. So the Zealandia, 94% of the continent is submerged. It's potentially a billion years old, 3,500 feet under the surface. It's 2 million square miles, so about half the size of Australia. And then, yeah, so they're debating. I don't know if it's because where it's the... mostly submerged. I was going to that... say, where are the bits that aren't submerged? Are they just like little islands off of, or are they part of like mainland? New Zealand. New Zealand? So there's so. just somebody found a chunk of New Zealand that they're like, this is older than the rest of, this is old Zealand. New sponsor alert and a brief history lesson. Did y'all know that the use of hops as a staple ingredient in beer dates back to early drug laws in Bohemia? Before then, folks were blissfully brewing with whatever tasty botanicals they had on hand. Based in Madison, Wisconsin, Herbiary Brewing is bringing back the noble tradition of hopless brews. Learn more about their fermented folklore and where to find them at herbiary.com. That's H-E-R-B-I-E-R-Y.com. Yeah, so New Zealand, like, there's a, we'll put this on the, um, on Instagram because it's pretty cool. So they have kind of a, what do you call those maps where they show like the mountain elevation? Where Topographic. You topographic map thank you natalie they have an outline of it and so i see here based on this topographic map why i think it might be a little debatable because they have an outline of it and then new zealand is the the bit of it that's not submerged and then you can kind of see where the outline goes and how it's all connected but it does look a little like it looks almost like it fades into the oceanic crust you know is it clearly defined i think is probably what the issue is mm -hmm. but you can see it and it's really weird to think that yeah like continents are submerged they can be submerged yeah well it's Does also weird mean... to think that like if you're walking around on that on like new zealand 
or on that section of New Zealand, if it's not all of New Zealand, that it that like you're like, I'm on older dirt than you are over in Australia. Yeah. Well, and and if you look at because there's there's all these different maps, there's maps of the tectonic plates, which you'll see tectonic plates have, you know, if we think of like America and, and California and whatnot, like America as a continent has tectonic plates that aren't clearly defined around America. They are yeah. just their own things. And then the oceanic crust has breaks and stuff and that's its own. That's different from the tectonic plates too. So the breakup of it is also different based on these different defined boundaries and just because a continent doesn't mean it's on the, the it's so fucking it's like a puzzle it's one of those 3d puzzles where you have to put fuck it together and then it goes up and i'm like fuck you <laughs> i just want one I, i'm fine with two dimensions in my puzzles yeah well which is why the earth is really flat or it should be <laughs> this would <laughs> be easier to understand <laughs> if we're gonna start thinking i'm a flat earther i just think it's so funny and ridiculous Cass, what if I told you everybody already thought you were a flat earther? Good. I'm making t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. There was this great, oh, I forget what it's called, this great flat earther documentary. It kind of went into the science of, of what they tell themselves of why they think it's flat. But mostly it went into kind of the almost, not cult aspect, but community aspect of the reason people dig into this so deep is because... It's the same reason anyone joins any club or cult. You feel like an outsider. You find people that you belong with. And weirdly, when other people tell you you're wrong and you're stupid, it like brings you closer to this community. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly like a sense of like belonging. And then they have this weird thing that they can, you know, use as their, I don't know. It was really weird, really interesting. It was talking more about the psychology of flat earthers. And why when you pr when they prove themselves wrong, you know, when they're like, this is I'm using this experiment to prove it and then it doesn't work. They dig they dig deeper and they, you know, are like, no, it's the science. It's, it's not whatever. And how they kind of just hold their ground. Yeah. So that's geography history. Oh, my God. I had so much fun learning about this. It's wild. It's bananas. It's absolutely bananas. And, you know, history is not just things we write down and things people do. It's like it's just things that happened naturally or human made. Who, who, who man made? Who man. Hey, Nat, uh, can I talk about Iowa for a minute? Honestly, I'm shocked you're even asking for permission this time. It's just that this podcast is sponsored by Raygun and they're headquartered in Iowa. Yeah, but they're bigger than Iowa. They're the greatest store in the universe. Oh, really? Who called them that? Raygun did. Checks out. All I'm saying is don't limit Raygun's excellence to just Iowa. I mean, they've got brick and mortar stores in six cities and like an online empire. They're super important to the fabric of the entire universe. Their t-shirts are like the second most important element and they gain on oxygen like every day. That's true. Also, they are super modest. They are. It's truly awe-inspiring. Gosh, Raygun's just so great. Right? And this is an ad paid for by them. So go check them out at their stores across the Midwest or online at raygunsite.com. Use promo code Sherry later to save on your next order. Uh, now, can I talk about Iowa? Oh, look, we're out of time. 
Cass, you make really good points, but also sometimes history is about people and what they did because that's where I'm going. Uh, I do not love geography, but I do love this woman who I discovered because of you giving us, you suggesting this theme. I also love her name. Mary Arizona Baber. Stop it. Goes by Zonia for Arizona. Makes me want to love geography. (laughs) I don't yet, but I want to. She makes me want to change, you know? She just really, I love her so much. Um, Also, bringing it close to home, you took us halfway across this uh, pizza puff that we call Earth. (laughs) And I'm bringing us back to the Midwest. Woo! Give me some ranch. Hell yeah. We're in ranch country because <laughs> Zonia Baber was born in Kansas Township, Illinois. So, you know me. When am I? Where am I? <laughs> when am I? I'm in 1862. That's when she was born. But we're going to spend most of our time in the late 1800s, early 1900s. We're in the Midwest. We're in Illinois. We're down in like central to southern Illinois. And I can't. Okay. I'll cover the bases of like who... Zonia was and where she came from. And then I can't wait to tell you why I think she's just a badass. Collect yourself, Natalie. I'm just so excited. Uh, Okay, so education was always really important to Zonia. So like, no surprise, spoiler alert, she does become a teacher. But she moves to she moves between middle school and high school uh, to Paris, Illinois to live with her uncle when she's a teenager, because that was the closest high school to where she lived. Then she attended quote unquote normal school, which is uh was an all for alter- which was an affordable alternative to college, which was largely focused on women, just because women were not necessarily allowed or welcome into larger universities and colleges, but normal school was affordable and it largely focused on training women to become teachers. So normal schools, for whatever reason, like loved geography, really embraced geography as a subject. And women were also pretty darn into geography, which apparently did not stand the test of time. Because as I stated, I was not and never have been (laughs) into geography. But uh, yeah, for some reason, like by the late 1800s, geography was a particularly feminized branch of science. I did not know any of this. It was like the first science subject that was widely taught in girls' schools after the Revolutionary War. So geography has always been, in America at least, a very feminized science branch. Do you think it's because it's natural and it's the one thing that like men couldn't claim of like the natural process of the earth and whatnot? I don't no, know. Because men define kind of like the boundaries. Of also, there. like men, there's nothing that men think that they can't claim. So uh, fun Chicago fact, because, of course, everyone take a drink. Uh, the normal school that Zonia attended was Cook County Normal School, which is now Chicago State University, which is still a public university in Chicago. It was at one point the Chicago Teachers College because... CPS took it over. I don't have dates for this, but CP like Chicago Public Schools 
assumed control over Cook County Normal School and made it Chicago Teachers College. And then it evolved into Chicago State University, which is still a public university. Can I just say Chicago State University is aptly named because Chicagoans just think they're their own state? Like I mean, think. if you ask if you ask anyone who lives outside of Chicago, they'll say that Chicago acts like it's their own state. There's a lot of like, yes. quote unquote, think pieces in the newspapers in like central and southern Illinois that are like, <laughs> opinion, Chicago should secede from Illinois, be its yeah. own state. And it's like, guys, be cool. a, bit, a little bit of, over, of an overreaction. That's neither here nor there. Just a fun Chicago fact. Baber fell in love with geography and... And by 1885, has her teaching credentials. She is swiftly hired up by the very same school that she graduated from. She is the head of the Department of Geography uh, by 1891. And she also is, at the same time, attending classes at the University of Chicago. You go, girl. Right? She's the first... uh, She was was a student in the first geology class that allowed women... In it, in the field, um, in 1895, she uh, eventually starts teaching at the University of Chicago as well. So she's working towards her bachelor's because she doesn't finish normal school with a bachelor's degree. I don't know what maybe it's like an associate's that they walk away with, or just like teaching credentials and that's it. But she starts working on her bachelor's. She's still like three years out from her bachelor's, and she's already being named the an associate professor at University of Chicago while she's a student there. So she doesn't even have her degree? No. And they're she's just, teaching? They're like, you're a proactive student. <laughs> that's how you know you're a really good student is when they start also having you teach the class. I guess that's what TAs are. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but So she's named an associate professor of the teaching of geography and geology in the Department of Education. So she's not a teacher in the Department of Geography. All of this time, while she's like learning and she's teaching and she's learning and she's teaching, uh, she also co-founds the Geographic Society of Chicago, which is a professional organization that prioritized women speakers, which we know is huge because ladies keep, let alone trying to attend a lot of the professional science organizations and meetings and whatnot. Attendance is one thing. Getting to actually speak at them. Well, boy, look out. Was this a kind of like all-female society or was this one with men where men wanted to amplify their voices as well? I don't think it was all-female. I think that just like most of the founders were female Mm -hmm. and they made a point of being like, women speaking yeah at these things but i don't think it was uh exclusionary to men so she gets she finally gets her bachelor's of science which apparently like i mean did she even need it she was doing all the things yada 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 okay here's why she's extra badass so i don't know i don't think i'm not gonna claim to be a, a wonderful human being and claim this as a reason why i don't care for geography but I probably just don't like geography because I just was like, it's a lot of memorization and there's only, and my brain is full of Baxter Boys lyrics. I don't have. That's I why I loved geography... it. I was good at memorizing. I'm great at memorizing, but I, I was loved like... when we learned the periodic table of elements. I was like, I don't understand what any of these things are, but damn it. If I don't know exactly where they are in that table. I feel wronged 
by my education solely because I didn't learn any of those like fun song mnemonic mnemonic devices for anything. Neither did I. Like that I didn't learn the states that way. I didn't learn state capitals that way. I didn't learn the periodic table that way. So like. Oh yeah, there is a periodic table song. Yeah. There's a song for everything. Apparently I didn't learn any of them. I didn't take Spanish, but all of the kids who took Spanish knew the song. Bogota, Colombia, Lima, Peru, La Paz, Bolivia. See, I don't even know. I don't even know the rest of the South American. Nobody wanted to teach me through song, (laughs) and I take that personally. Maybe that's why we've rebelled and leaned so much into song. (laughs) Maybe that's why we sing everything, whether it's an effective way of communicating it or not. Suck it! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want that to be like my ringtone whenever I get a text. Um, <laughs> but so I think that like that's just I think just that's why I have a bone to pick with geography is just that it felt like a lot of like memorization without context. Yeah. The and reason as we know, geography, we love context. We love context. The reason geography as like a whole, like I would love to claim this like higher uh, moral reason for not loving geography. Geography's got a lot of nationalist and imperialist baggage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a whole lot of flag planting. And uh, there's this quote by another uh, female geographer, Janice Monk, that says, many geographers believed that environment determined culture and cultural accomplishments. And geographers and the general public believed that Western culture was the epitome of cultural achievement. So basically, white Westerners used geography and their quote-unquote more civilized culture as a justification for colonization. Baber, our our Babesonia, not about that shit. She was known for like a... uh, honestly, by today's standards, still probably a very progressive teaching method and activist approach to geography. She was one of the first to argue that geography was an interdisciplinary subject. Give me some fucking context, see? Uh, And should be taught as much uh, as such, saying, she has this quote, says, the understanding of geographic facts necessitates a knowledge of science, mathematics, and history, and demands expression in reading, writing, modeling, drawing, and making. So she was like, you can't just study geography in a vacuum. You need... Can we can we make shared history shirts that have, just have that whole quote on yeah. <laughs> Like, What's your shirt say? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, we'll just change the subject, change the title of the show to Shared History, Science, Mathematics, Reading, Writing, <laughs> Modeling, Drawing, and Making. What about oh. just like shared inter- interdisciplinary studies? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a like a college entry level class. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 101 class. Uh, so she just was like, you can't study this in a vacuum. Everything. It's all connected, man. All connected. It's all connected. Aliens. Uh, so <laughs> also, she was all about getting students out of the classroom. She championed field trips. So thank you. Thank you, Zonia, for the field trips and field work. She especially was like in uh, economically disadvantaged school districts. Get them out of the classroom. Get them into physical spaces where they can literally see what they are learning instead of just looking at a textbook. Um, And the cool thing about geography is that even if you live, it's interesting being like, go explore geography in Flat, flat Illinois. <laughs> but like, 
even in Illinois, there's so much out there outside of the classroom that you can like get your hands in and, and see and actually experience. So she's all about hands-on lessons and experiences. She even, uh, we love, we love a lady inventor. Um, she even patents a desk that is specifically suited for geography. I want this fucking desk. It had a little receptacle for clay and a little water well and a little pan for sand so the students could create their own miniature landscapes. What is this desk called? I'm sure it's got a name. Please oh, tell me it's called the Zonia desk. I mean, I hope so. I don't know if I, if I saw like a sexy name for it. The patent just says Z Baber School Desk. I don't know if it has a sexy name. I'm looking at the, like, I don't think they put sexy names on patents, though. But I just love this idea of this, like, desk just for geography students that is basically has, like, a sandbox and, like, a little clay pot on it. Taking her love of field trips even further, she literally testifies in court on behalf of the sand dunes of Indiana achieving national park status and being protected. Largely due to their value to students on field trips, because like I said, in the Midwest, like you're not going to be able to show us a, lo- a large <laughs> variety of geography. You don't get a lot of dunes. So it's like these dunes are real close and real interesting and a, an easy field trip. Uh, she's quoted. As I, th- I just kind of think that this is like the most politely uh, go to hell quote ever. She's quoted as saying, I can truthfully say that I should like to believe in the old Orthodox Hades for the people who will not save the dunes now for the people who are to come. She's like, if you don't save these dunes, you can go to hell. Like, you will go to hell. I wish you would burn I in burn old in school hell. hell. I wish that I believed in hell so that I could tell you to go to hell is basically what this quote is. No, she's like, I want you to get that bad Greek hell. Yeah, I want you Ancient to be Greek floating hell. in the river sticks, pain and panic, jumping around. I ain't putting pennies on your eyes. No. Uh, and to her credit, today the sand dunes are protected. They're part of uh, the Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore, which is protected. So that's you, amazing. You you go, babe. She also stresses the uh, content. Our love of context coming through here. She stressed the importance of map making in geography education, teaching students to understand that maps correspond to reality instead of just our like, you know, pieces of paper that you're memorizing capitals of, that these are real places. These are real people. And she said that any teachers that fail to give map context was, quote, little short of a pedagogic crime. Uh, oh my god, I love her. She is graphic shade she is throwing. Fierce, strong words from from Zonia. She travels the world, like she's not just gonna sit in the middle of Illinois studying geography. When I say the world, she at least Asia, the Pacific Islands, Europe, and the Middle East. So decent spread, not the whole yeah. world. Uh and she returns with she returns from her travels with another radical outlook on the field. Uh Geography as a means to connect the world rather than dominate it. Something that many men traveled the world and didn't seem They to like land into the exact opposite. Yeah, they were like, look at all the things I can have. Uh, she encourages teachers to integrate international correspondence, in short, pen pals, with students of foreign countries in the geography classroom, which I had like a French pen pal in French class. But, like, can you imagine having, like, a geography pen pal of just, like, writing to someone in another country in a language you don't speak and just being like, you got cool mountains? 
<laughs> Got any neat land masses? Uh, she I also she also openly. I mean, this shouldn't surprise anyone. These quotes are are like fucking savage as hell. So we shouldn't be surprised that she openly critical criticizes and critiques the imperialism of geography in the pages of professional journals. Not a thing that was happening a lot in the early 1900s. Just ladies spitting fire in professional journals, <laughs> let alone spitting that hot fire at imperialism. Uh, she basically uh, states the very true fact that European colonizers took the geography and the cartography of the indigenous people of any place that they landed and used that info to colonize them. Because in Peru, for example, the indigenous people of Peru had not only maps uh, like of what you would think of like topographic maps, uh, they also had political maps and the the... The white Europeans came in and were like, oh, that's interesting. I know exactly where all of the different parties of power exist mm-hmm. and where their borders are and how they feel about each other because of this like beautiful map that you've made. Also, going back on the idea that the only map makers were Europeans. Yeah. Revisit our map making episode for that. One. <laughs> uh, also, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes. Uh, at, at time of recording. <laughs> but her whole her whole bag is like share the knowledge share perspectives don't like about geography don't let your opinions about geography and your feelings about it in your culture or your country divide you from other geographers like your your perspective on geography as outside of america is really important to me because it should help educate me because they're not they don't have to be disparate uh opinions they're all part of this a larger picture this isn't just like like the tagline of our podcast like the history you wish you had learned this is like the history teacher you wish you had had yeah she's like, giving you fancy again, desks just, she's taking you out she's encouraging you, you yeah she's encouraging you to like bring in other perspectives and not just absorb hers she's encouraging you to become a geographer just because you don't hold a degree in this field doesn't mean you can't question and have perspectives and opinions and, and reach out to other people with other perspectives and and educate yourselves that way. Yes, yeah, self-education is something that I mean when we go to school right teacher has to tell me everything and then I know it. It's like a lot of education is on you, baby boo. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be open to learning things. And then also it, you are more likely to learn it if you sought out the lesson yeah. versus having it just thrust upon you. Um, she did a bunch of other really cool shit because she was just was like so outspoken and so passionate about this and also like loved to travel and use her voice to boost others. So she serves, uh, she serves as a chairman of the Pan American Committee for the Women's International League of Peace and Freedom, uh, which during her time there, she investigates the conditions in Haiti under U.S. military occupation and co-authors a report calling for the complete end of U.S. military presence in Haiti, full stop. Fuck uh, yeah. She represents, also I think in this capacity, she represented the women in Puerto Rico in the expansion of suffrage to the territory. Um she was a member of the Society of Women Geographers, but also 40 years after founding 
the Chicago Geographic Society. She is honored by the Chicago Geographic Society with the gold medal for lifetime achievement. And it's like, you look at all of these things and you're like, hell yes, of course. I also think it's, I, I saw something that said that she was like one of the only women uh, listed in the, and this is all capitalized, so I'm sure this is some society. It's called the American Men of Science. She's one of the old, she's one of like only, the only women who's like ever listed in this thing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And it's like, I've never heard of her ever, which is probably because geography, I said that it was like this highly feminized subject, but a lot of female geographers have been forgotten because mm-hmm. by the 20s, I think, between the 20s and the fi- 1920s and 1950s, the normal schools start to become state teacher colleges uh and then which it kind of were informally very directed towards that but then in the 50s a lot of them start to become state universities and in the process of gaining that status as a state university they just stopped hiring and promoting the women who historically had been like the bedrock of their faculty uh it was it was like a time where suddenly teaching wasn't just quote-unquote women's work more and more men we're entering the field of education, especially at the higher levels. Yeah. And uh, women were just being pushed out of the positions that they had once held in huge numbers. And as such, when you change the people writing the story, the people who are included in the history are uh, change. <laughs> so We also don't talk about people when we talk about geography. No. Like... Like, the only cartographer I know is fucking Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah. We don't, like, we all know, I think, inherently that, yeah, all of the, like, indigenous cultures had maps of their regions. But we don't talk about how those maps would have differed from, because those maps aren't necessarily as, they're not necessarily recognizable to us as, Mm -hmm. as maps the way that we were taught to think about maps of like, like you said, these clear defined borders mm. and, and it's like, you don't need those Bord- or like these roads or these routes and whatnot. Yeah. I feel like that is so part of what we think of as a map and like to, to what you, cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of uh, Zealandia is also involves like a huge understanding of geology. Yeah. So like similar to Zonia, Want, feeling like every, all this is connected and you need to study it together i think that if because i also feel like i didn't retain a lot of like geography and earth science mm-hmm. and i feel like i would have it would have i would have learned more but also retained more if geography and geology were taught kind of hand in hand because those that's how some just natural borders are created yeah. like the alps like uh the andes like the amazon river you know um this huge ass mountain kind of is cutting off us cutting us off from this other place so that's a natural boundary i think it's funny that you and i that you were like let's do an (laughs) let's do an episode on geography because i just think of how many times in this podcast we've been like where is that is that like north south of there we're bad at geography like both of us have just said like i don't know where things are also (laughs) as soon as you just said geology i was like mine was kind of geology (laughs) yeah 
It was both though, because it is like yeah. it is a it is a because they should be taught oh. together. Yeah, I gave you context on geology based on geography and vice versa. You're they, yeah, welcome. They, I'm they, Zonia. They fe- I am Zonia. They feed into each other. They support yeah. each other, and they make the other one easier to understand. So yours doesn't have. Your topic doesn't really have like a a role that we can cast in it. What role can we do you think we can cast in the story of of the discovery of Zealandia? Um first of all, I would like to say that I think um the uh landmass of Russia should play um Zealandia. <laughs> so screw you. It's not its own continent, but like that's a roughly, you know, you could break that off. I thought we um, were going to go in a direction of like, well, The Rock plays Maui. Oh, Moana. shit. The Rock so... should play the continent. God damn it. Yeah. It was right it. there. It was right there. Um, Talking about Sonia. geology <laughs> with The Rock. Um, I have, Zonia. I have an opinion thinking? on Zonia, but I think it's just because I imagine her dressed for field work and I immediately am casting Rachel Weiss. <gasps> I just saw the new James Bond movie and all I could think of the whole time was good for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yes, she would be great as that. Also, I was thinking. Also, uh, we're, I'm thinking Carrie Russell, too. Yes, because she needs to go back into some period stuff. Except, you know what? I think, like, uh, with, I didn't see the extraordinary, no, not Extraordinary Woman, but something. Which is like a modern movie. And I'm like, oh, I don't see you in that. And she did really well. It's like when Kira Knightley tries to do a modern movie. You're like, oh, no, you're from the 1800s. You don't belong here. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Oh, no. I'm thinking You're thinking Mulligan. of Carrie Mulligan. Who are you thinking of? Carrie Russell. I was like, uh, you want to put her in a period thing? She was, yeah. all, the Americans was so, all so a period. I'm going to throw out Carrie Mulligan then. I mean, also? But you know also, what, you know Renee what I'm Zellweger. I rewatched Ooh. Cold Mountain recently. And Ooh. God, I forget. She is such a great character actress. And like, she just like wild. Like, I don't know. I think when that movie came out, she was very like, I'm, you know, the celebrity. And I think of her as a red carpet Renee Zellweger. And she just... Like, fuck, she was good at that. I need so, to rewatch that movie. I used to watch that so movie good. on road trips all the time for some reason because we had it's it on my, DVD like, and it's nice and long. <laughs> it's my like rainy day movie. It's so good. Love to just cry a lot. Come back sometimes. to me. Come back to Cold Mountain <laughs> is my request. I could quote uh, that whole movie. <laughs> uh, up until you said Renee Zellweger, I think we were, we just picture Zonia with a lot of hair, like a lot of dark hair. Because yes. we only we we are only naming uh, women with wavy to curly thick That's, hair. When you said Rachel Vice, all I was thinking of, oh yeah, she's gonna have like a messy ponytail, like her hair pulled back, crazy curls. I just thought of her hair; it's perfect. Yeah, we just like we we're just casting hair. <laughs> it's a very specific casting office that we operate here. Um. Well, I think though mine was set about three billion years before your um uh, story took place i think our topics lent each other lent well to each other yeah because both of them are very much uh about opening a discourse about what needs to be part of the study of geography and also how we define things in geography because it feels like from yours that there's still a lot of like 
open to interpretation, which I feel like Zonia would be into. Zonia would be into like, do we need to call it a supercontinent? Can't it just be this impressive thing? Like, does it have to have a label? And it's interdisciplinary as well. Mm-hmm. And and I, I feel like there are subjects that people think of as very like cut and dry. I feel like math gets to be very like, well, two plus two is always going to equal four. But there's so much like... And then there's theoretical math- mathematics and you're like, what? <laughs> math is math is alive and geography is not clearly defined and it's constantly changing in its borders in its geology in its you know the way it's mapped the way it is explored the way it's taught it's also a very wild subject in that it is a subject that can be in directly influenced by the actions of humans geology for example like yeah human beings have some impact on that definitely on on rain levels and water levels moving forward we know our impact on that mm. but like that rock gonna rock whether mm. whether you go up to it and decide that it's your rock or someone else or whether it's Dwayne yeah the rock I mean Dwayne is everyone's rock <laughs> nobody's like a rock Nobody's planting a flag in Dwayne the Rock Johnson. We all, he belongs to all of us. (laughs) And geography belongs to all of us. You heard it here first, folks. Oh, we did it. This pizza puff belongs to us all. If we could all just learn to share it. And not burn our mouths (laughs) on it. And not burn our mouths on it. That's really the takeaway. Uh, You can follow us. (laughs) You're going to see some great images because as we know podcasting is a visual a visual medium mm-hmm. um on our instagram at shared pod it's also our twitter yes 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 uh you can support us on patreon or on coffee the link is in the doobly-doo and y'all we just we love you and we all just want to share this pizza puff with with you if you have any questions corrections or suggestions go ahead and email us at Shared history podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, if you have any ideas of uh, if you can help us complete the metaphor, if you think that uh, life is the Italian seasoning or the ranch or the uh, the the crusted Parmesan baked on Parmesan or Asiago. Give us all your food analogies. Yeah, we really need to bring this pizza puff <laughs> analogy home. <laughs> you can you can DM us with those or you can email them to us and uh Until next time, share a little later. Special thanks for this episode go to Sarah Cruz for the show art, Gareth Spin for original music, the Banditrico for social animations, and Kasmar for a magnificent edit. 